0: all right welcome back to another episode of the fast break left nba podcast your boy sam here again um i don't even know where to start with Clippers and the Nuggets I mean just a whole lot of stuff transpired over the last like 24 or so hours oh man all right so um as we all know by now the Nuggets completed the 3-1 comeback against the Clippers um I was pretty confident with the Nuggets coming to this game and I I spoke about it last episode I had with um with Zach, I was really confident in, in the Nuggets with just them having momentum and then the fact that I knew Doc Rivers was most likely not going to adjust. And I don't want to know if I really want to say that he did adjust, but in the wrong way. And I'll get into that in a, in a bit. But, I mean, geez, I, I don't think I've seen anyone celebrate. I don't think I've ever, ever seen any team have a loss have their loss as celebrated as the Clippers' loss was last night. I mean, they really did a good job of making themselves completely unlikable this offseason. This whole season, not even just this past offseason, but this this season in general. I mean, when you think about it, they went from this, like, scrappy underdog team against the Warriors that took them to six. And I was like, like, everybody really respected them at that point. And then, you see how things are now where like everybody is just like rejoicing in their downfall and like it's crazy. I mean, I mean, I was happy myself cuz you know none of my teams are in it in it this year so you know I have no I have no dog in any of these fights. I just have a couple plays that I I really mess with in a couple of these series. But yeah, I mean, you had like everybody on Twitter was just like clowning on them i mean you had Dame and cj who had their little um kind of social media thing with pat bev and pg and pat bev ironically saying cancun on three which is where they're probably going to be headed now and i mean just i mean it's like this is something almost like out of a movie or like a TV show or something where like, it felt like unreal in a way where it's like, yo, there's no way they're giving up this three, one lead again. I mean, like, of course it's like a a different, a different roster completely from the Lob City team that blew the three, one lead, but it's like Doc Rivers again. And it's just like the way the Clippers just like, constantly folded in the second half of each of these games it i i i remember there was a point in like the third quarter of game five where the clippers were up by like almost 20 with a minute to go in the third and they somehow lost that game and then they were down they were up again in game um what was it? Game six by like 16 points or whatever it was. And then boom, here we are again. Game seven. I don't remember how much they were up by. I think it was like eight or 10 points or 12 at one point. And then they lost the lead again. And it's just like, you got to be kidding me. Like, and then there, there has to be like some blame. There has to be blame shared across the, the floor with this Clippers team. Cause like, So many things went wrong. And it's just like, it was like the perfect storm of things to go wrong with this Clippers team. You have Kawhi having another bad game, which I didn't think he was going to have a bad game, but I thought that the rest of the pieces around the, around him on the Clippers would not show up and that would lead to their demise. I didn't expect the whole team to like collapse and shut down. It was just like, yo like they really folded like it's like wow like oh man it's 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 like i'm still processing it because it's like yo there's no way a team like legitimately collapsed like that like i don't think we've ever seen a team like really like fold like that like it's just ridiculous and then you got um jamal murray going crazy 40 point game seven i think i saw someone on twitter actually call it like a couple days before they said that like all it takes is like doc not making adjustments and like jamal going for like 40 and that's wraps for them and that's basically what that's exactly what happened so um yeah jamal murray he outscored Kawhi pg and i think lou williams all three of them combined he outscored all three of them and it's just like yo I mean, we all expected, like, Paul George to not really show up. He's not really one for elimination games. Um, But, uh, yeah, Kawhi not showing up in that fourth quarter. Both of them scoreless in the fourth quarter, and it's just, like, it's remarkable. I had someone tell me on social media about um, Game 7 Kawhi, and I was like, Game 7 who? Because Game 7 Kawhi is, like, from last year where – He hit the miraculous shot that that hit the lucky bounces, you know. And he he shot 39 shots that game. This was not that so-called, air quotes, Game 7 Kawhi where he 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 looked passive at times. He didn't look aggressive. When he was aggressive, he didn't look like he was all the way there or he just wasn't being aggressive enough. And it's just remarkable to see a team just, like, collapse like that. Because, like, they were supposed to be, like, fighting with L.A. And a lot of people, including myself at one point, had them going to the finals. Because it's like, there's no way a team this deep with Kawhi as the closer. You know, Paul George can give you something occasionally. You know, you can't rely on him consistently in the playoffs. But, you know, I thought with the way that the team was constructed that they would just make it to the finals. And that wasn't the case. And a lot of it has to do with um not having enough time spent together because a lot of load management and whatnot during the regular season. And I heard like they barely practice, like the barely practice thing is something that I heard from like championship teams, like golden state or like, I don't know. I don't know if the Heat used to practice a lot during their runs with um LeBron and Wade and Bosch, but yeah, um the Clippers what a disappointment. I saw a lot of people saying they, they're probably the most disappointing team of all time. And I, I, I'd, have to, I'd have to I'd have to I'd have to I'd have to agree with that because the expectations that the media that fans that they put on themselves they failed to live up to them. To, to a disappointing degree, I mean, if you're gonna go out, at least go out in the conference finals, slugging it out with LeBron and AD. But I mean, credit to Denver though, coming back again, that's two series now in a row where they come back three one, and it's just like, I know a lot of people are gonna write them off against Denver and pro- I mean against the Lakers and say, Lakers in like five probably, but you know just don't 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 sleep on Denver again like a lot of us did cuz i originally like i said in the last the last episode i had Denver taking at least one game from the um the clippers but then the clippers they just they just clipped like they always do another 3-1 lead and you had everybody on the timeline clowning them as 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 they deserved i mean for for me, what stood out in this game was, again, like I said before, like coaching adjustments are really going to be key as like the main advantage in these type of series because there's no home court, no travel, none of these external factors. You're just there in the bubble and you're just hooping. And whatever coach out coaches the other coach as well as what team executes and like is the hottest, is going to win, and that's what we're seeing with with Denver right now. And Doc just kept doubling, um, Jokic, and Jokic was just cutting up their defense like the way the type of player Jokic is as a big man is just it's just ridiculous. Like the court vision, the uncanniness of his moves. I mean, it's just. What a remarkable offensive talent. I mean, like I said, best big, best big man in the game right now. Um, but yeah, Doc just kept doubling him. He just kept finding the open man. Gary Harris did a great job of cutting, finding open lanes, getting to the basket. Um, yeah, and I, I just don't understand why Doc continued to play Montrez and Luo together. It's like you don't see Jamal Murray and Jokic just roasting them. Like, it's like, it's frustrating, not as like a fan of them, but like as a fan of watching like good basketball, you want to see the other coach make some adjustments. So that way your team, the team is just not out there just lying around and just getting cooked up like that. It's just. For, to me, it, it it seems so simple, but I don't know if it's a pride, an ego thing, if it's a, you know, you got to stick to your best players at, at this time or you just got to stick with what got you there even if it doesn't seem like it's working because it, it, it looks like it might, especially in that first half when when Lua and Montrez had it going. And I said to someone on Twitter, I was like, I feel like because Montrez and Lua had a solid first half playing together, that Doc is going to continue to go to that. And it just did not work in the second half at all. Along And you pair that with Kawhi and PG just going ice cold in the fourth quarter. I mean, the whole Clippers team just went ice cold. They, they didn't make a field goal, I think, what was it for like seven minutes? fourth quarter I mean that's just crazy and then add that on to Jokic's triple double again in a game seven and then Jamal Murray's 40 point explosion I mean it's just a recipe for disaster right there but Kawhi a lot of people were saying Kawhi deserves a lot of blame and I, I I think that's correct because I feel like you, you you just think back to all the scenarios. First he's in San Antonio. I feel like that was already the perfect scenario for him. Um forces his way out of there after the injury. He felt like it was mismanaged or whatever the issue was down there. And then you have um he gets to Toronto. Another perfect situation for him, basically, where he just has to slot in as like a scorer and a closer. Everything else is just built perfectly around him with Kyle Lowry, Siakam. They traded for Gasol. They had all the things that he needed. And it just worked out perfectly. They got the championship. I mean, they had to beat a hobbled a hobbled Golden State squad with um no Kevin Durant. They dealt injuries to Kevin Looney, DeMarcus Cousins, and um Klay Thompson. But you know, he still got the job done. So that was the perfect situation. A lot of people were like, why leave? Why leave Kawhi? Kawhi works behind the scenes, gets pandemic P, playoff P, whatever you want to call him. George Paul, that dude stink, but he worked behind the scenes, got him. Wanted to go to L.A., didn't want to go jo- join LBJ and AD in L.A., but wanted to do his own thing in L.A. with Paul George, and here we are, him being home, him him being sent home in the second round. And it's just, I mean, Kawhi did all this and he could have just stayed in Toronto and had like a solid thing going. And we see how Toronto played this year. I mean, they were a Kawhi away maybe from getting to the finals once again this year. And, you know, it just didn't happen. But, yeah, I mean... It's just crazy. I mean, he. I feel like Toronto is really the perfect situation. I didn't understand why he left, but, you know, he wanted to do his own thing. He wanted to go home. So I guess I respect him for that. But um, Clippers curse is real out here. Um, also a reminder of um, how many picks the Clippers traded for Paul, Paul George. Um, What was it? They traded like five picks and had like a couple pick swaps in there. And... That was even more picks than those picks were more than how many field goals Paul George had the other night. So, and then, and then on top of that, you think about after next season, Kawhi and Paul George could opt out, go to free agency, sign elsewhere. Clippers have no future. I mean, you can't really blame them because you're like, this is the opportunity to get Kawhi and Paul George to elite players. Do you want to call them to one and a, one elite player and a, and a, and a star a complimentary star that will fade in the playoffs. I don't know, but um, yeah, they could leave. I mean, in a year and then, but if you're the Clippers, you take that, you, I guess you take that chance. Cause it comes with the chance of possibly winning a championship, but knowing the Clippers track record, knowing Paul George's track record. I mean, I don't know. We'll see what happens in a year. We'll see what happens this offseason because it's going to be very interesting to see what these teams do to improve themselves. But um, I have here in my notes. I wrote Clippers, they never respected um, the regular season. They never respected the process. They thought that they could just get by on just talent. And I think will said something along those lines of like, you know we just thought our town could bail us out, but chemistry didn't um yeah, they just they they carried themselves in the season in a way where you thought they they've accomplished something and they accomplished nothing, and the fact that they that they carried themselves like that is what elicited the reaction from everybody last night, as I said earlier, but also why expectations were so high is because you see the way they carry themselves, you're like, oh, they they believe in themselves to be a championship level team. They think that it's over for everybody else in the West. And but you, you gotta put that time in together during the regular season to build those build that chemistry. And they just didn't. And everybody talks about this switch. And I hate that people think that teams can turn on a switch in the postseason because you can't if you build bad habits during the regular season they're going to carry over to the playoffs because you haven't had that experience with the good habits that you're trying that you're trying to turn on for the playoffs I remember people said that with 2017 Cavs and a lot of people were like you know they got a chance against this Warriors team as long as they turn on their defense for the playoffs. You you can't just go through the regular season building these bad habits and then expect to be bailed out. In the playoffs. Expecting to turn something on. I mean, granted, the Warriors were like a juggernaut, but like. Still, a lot of people thought that that series would be a lot closer than it was but yeah, th- this this idea of a switch, it, it it doesn't exist unless I say it doesn't exist unless you've you've been established together and you've built up those good habits and you like slip into like a little funk, then you turn it back on. But like there's no building bad habits throughout the regular season and then boom, you turn it you turn on some magical switch for the playoffs. I, I don't think that's just how it goes. But yeah, they acted like a dynasty. They were cocky. They had no chemistry, and it, it all shows now. Um, Doc is going to still be here because I think one of the main factors of the of why Kawhi is there is because he sees Doc Rivers as this well-respected coach. Um, note here that Doc Rivers, this is his third 3-1 lead blown. There are only 13 in NBA history, I think one leads blown and doc rivers is the coach of three of them that got blown and those were 2003 magic i believe that was with tracy mcgrady i, I believe that was and then you have 2015 lob city clippers and then you have now 2020 self-proclaimed dynasty clippers um and i i saw someone I think it was CJ, CJ McCollum. He said, "What was it? Because of the bubble that they lost the three-one lead, and I, I don't think that was the reason why. I think they just built up bad habits that 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 um, reared their ugly head, and then um, along pair that with Doc's rotations, and it just wasn't a combination that was meant to be successful." I thought it was I think it's even more embarrassing to blow a 3-1 lead in the bubble because you just let a team and it's the it's the fashion that it happened too. It wasn't like Denver Nuggets came out strong every single game that they won in the last three games. They came out and struggled for like two of those last three wins. And then something happened with the Clippers in the second half where they just forgot to play basketball. And then the Nuggets took advantage of it, but yeah, the bubble is supposed to elevate everyone's play because there's no home court, there's no there's no advantages. Everybody's on a level playing field, but everyone seems to have elevated their play. And if these guys are contenders, they're supposed to elevate their play even more because you you have a bigger goal past the the Nuggets. Um. Yeah, but I just thought it was hilarious. I mean, I I was having a ball last night laughing at them because they deserve this. This this humbled them because they needed some of this. They needed to be humbled, especially if, I don't know if anyone remembers, Marcus Morris, when he had that little scuffle with um, Paul Millsap, he told Paul Millsap, I hope you're ready to go home. And then from there, just the tide flipped. And yeah, these guys needed to be humbled. Hopefully they learned their lesson. Um, some offseason needs I see for the Clippers. Um, number one, they need to shut up and just like play basketball. And I don't mean that in like the disrespectful way of like shut up and dribble. I mean, like, just stop talking like you guys did something because you didn't. Um, number two I have here is they need a floor general. Um, a point guard to set them up for better shots, especially late in late, late in game. Because I don't think that um, Pat Bev and Lou Will or Reggie Jackson, they're not that at all. Patrick Beverly is more of a defensive stopper. Lou Will is a spark plug off the bench. And Reggie Jackson is Reggie Jackson. So I was surprised to see Reggie Jackson get minutes, by the way. Um, They need a rim protector. Um, Zubac did a pretty good job defensively, but I feel like he has like a limits minute, like I don't think he could play more than 30 minutes a game. So those times that he's not on the court, you need someone to fill those center minutes. That's going to give you something defensively. Montres Harrow is not that. And going back to the Montres and Lou Will thing about their defense. I mean, I don't think that is playable in the playoffs. And if you have two guys that you can't really play consistently in the playoffs because they're going to be hunted defensively, you may want to consider your roster I've seen a lot of people bring up that Montrezl and Lou will may be out of there. Montrezl is a free agent, and I think he lost himself a lot of money in free agency. Um, Lou will has like an eight million dollar contract that may be easy to move. I don't know who who needs a Lou will on their team, but look for some things to be shaken up because you know Jerry West is in there, and you know he's behind the building of the Golden State Warriors, so. You know, he may want to leave his um his imprint on this team. Um, Kawhi post game had a lot to say about um the Clippers needing to play smarter ball, smarter basketball. Um, I feel like if he's gonna be vocal like that in the post game, he should also be vocal in the middle of the game. Cause like during the game, he seems like someone that's like awfully quiet. And you kind of see it. He says things here and there, and you see it on the broadcast, but he's not someone that's really completely vocal. But yeah, um, onto the nuggets side, because I spoke a lot about the Clippers and how like atrocious they are as like a team. Um, oh, before I move on to the nuggets, actually. Clippers, I mean. If I'm the Warriors, I'm not scared of these Clippers at all. I, I, if I'm the Clippers, I'm if I'm the Warriors, I'm super confident that we we could return to, like, top three, top four in the West easily. Because you see the way teams like Houston and Clippers, they have a lot of soul-searching to do in the offseason, I guess. But if I'm the Warriors, I'm really confident in where we stand. You know, they got the draft coming up. They have a um, mid-level exception. They have a trade exception. So, you know, they have a lot, lot of things to work with. But... Moving on to the Nuggets. Jamal Murray. This is his coming out party. I know we've seen some coming out parties before in the past of like, I remember when Steph Curry first made the playoffs in 2013 against the Nuggets. Funny enough. Um, That was Steph Curry's coming out party to the league a little bit. We've had other players coming out parties. I can't really think off the bat of who's... um, Oh, Derrick Rose, when he had his coming out party, I believe it was 2009 against the Celtics. He had a really great series. And everybody was like, yo, like D-Rose is legit. Um, Donovan Mitchell, I mean, his rookie year was basically his coming out party. But like that playoff series against OKC, everybody was like, oh, OK. And for Jamal Murray, I know I've been waiting. I've been waiting for this moment personally because I'm a huge Jamal Murray guy. And like, I really like this is where I could see his game being like going off for like 40 point games in the playoffs. And like this is the playoffs is where you make a name for yourself. So, I mean, he's come out. He struggled early on against um, the Clippers defense. But, you know, the Clippers after a while, the Nuggets took the Clippers heart. And then Jamal Murray just looked confident from there. And he had a couple of solid games. And then you kind of felt like this 40 point game was Was coming because he didn't he didn't erupt in this series yet until this game, because like he had like a solid game too where the Nuggets won, and then what was it? I don't remember specifically what his line was in game five or six when they won, but I know he had a pretty, pretty he had a solid game, but he didn't have like those games that he was having against Utah, and Utah's defense was like piss poor, so. Yeah, he he didn't have one of those games yet, but you you felt it was coming, and then boom, it finally came this this game. And yeah, I mean, he's just he's just finding his rhythm, and he's he's playing consistently. And I, I've just been waiting this for this for a while because Jamal Murray is one of my guys, and it's great to see him playing this well and going this deep in the playoffs. Because you know they had a chance to get to Western Conference Finals last year, and they. Just barely missed it by like a couple jumpers. So, um, also for Denver, Gary Harris has been big defensively for this team. I mean, since he came back towards the end of that Utah series, you kind of like saw how Denver's defense was like improving a little bit. And you know, he was playing. He he's been playing well, getting getting some steals, getting some loose balls, playing playing really good perimeter defense on like Paul George and. And whatnot, but Paul George kind of plays good defense on himself, anyways. So yeah, Gary Harris has been huge for them. Interesting to see who he guards in the Lakers series. Um and Jokic. Jokic is playing well once again. Um, this is a second, this is his second game seven triple double. I don't think anyone else in NBA history has more. Um, like I said earlier, he was cutting up the Clippers' defense, just dissecting them finding finding um, players cut in finding the open man just playing really solid overall and he he wasn't really that bad defensively but I mean the Clippers didn't really force him to where he had to play outside where he doesn't like to play like around the perimeter defensively but you know he did his thing defensively he wasn't a turnstile defensively like Montrez was but he, he he was just solid and you know when you when you have someone that carries such an offensive load like jokic does you kind of you kind of just need them to be like serviceable on defense cuz you have other guys to make up for it like like a gary harris or a jeremy grant or a paul millsap who's okay defensively as well so you have those other guys to cover for him and you know that just that's just solid within itself um i'm interested to see how they match up against the Lakers, we kind of saw a little bit of that in one of the seeding games, but you know this is playoffs, so it's like a whole different beast. So, hopefully, the Nuggets do not go down again in this series. Well, actually, actually, if you're the Nuggets, you actually kind of want that because you're like, if we're down again, we can just come back. But you don't want to. You want to. You don't want to be stuck in that mentality of where oh, we always got to climb out of these 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 deficits. So. I would like to see the Nuggets, you know, come out strong against the Lakers, and you know, just like not look the way they did against the Clippers early on in the series. But hey, I don't know. If I'm the Lakers, I'm kind of shook to get, go up three one because you're like, yo, like look what they did to the last two teams that went up three one on them. I mean, do we want to be next? Um, yeah, we got um what a what other game we had? Oh, um, Miami versus. Um, the Celtics, that was a very good game as well. I feel like that series is going to go to at least six or seven, like I predicted, um, before, but yeah, I mean, that block by Bam was just amazing. And then just like consider that it was his offhand too. I mean, Ooh, but, um, Kemba, Kemba's got to get it going. I know Kemba, you know, he'll hit the occasional clutch jumper here and there, but there won't be need for any of that if, you know, if he gets it going early on and, you know, he's not struggling. Um, I didn't really see anything too much defensively that sh- that stuck out to me about, like, how they played him. I don't know if he's still trying to get a rhythm from that Toronto series because he really struggled there. But yeah, I mean... With um with Gordon Hayward possibly coming back, that that could be huge. Um, Goran Dragic had a really solid game, twenty nine points. I mean, he's been solid all playoffs, so you know, there's no surprise there. But like, I I didn't really expect him to like turn up to this level in the playoffs. Jimmy Butler, you know, hit that crazy and one that I didn't even know how he got up there, but. He got it to go again. Bam with the clutch block. Also put in eighteen points, nine assists. Very good playmaking. Um, Tyler Hero playing forty minutes as a rookie in the playoffs off the bench. I mean, he's solid. He's super solid. I I I see a very bright future for him. Um, but yeah, I'd like to see more from Kemba in game in game two. Had nineteen points, but like on six and nineteen shooting, and that's just not going to cut it in Eastern Conference Finals. Jalen Brown, I need to see a little bit more from him as well in Game Two, um, which is going to come, which is going to be tonight. If you're listening to this on Thursday, so Jalen Brown, I need to see more from him. Only six for fourteen from the field. Jason Tatum, I didn't like the shot that he got at the end of over overtime. I understand, you know, you want to challenge the rim, possibly get a foul. I doubt it, but maybe in the bubble you'll get it. Um, But I feel like he could have got a better shot than what he he settled for. I mean, he was sitting out on the top of the key, just dribbling, 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 dribbling. I was just like, is he going to go for a shot now? Or like, and then I just see he turns the corner and then. He gets he gets blocked at the rim. And I was just like, I feel like he got he could have got a way better shot than that. And I feel like that's, you know, that's something that's part of his game that's going to have to evolve. And, you know, he's just going to learn from this moment that, you know, there's going to be better shots out there for me. Marcus Smart has just turned into like. Ray Allen in these playoffs, I mean, six for 13 from three. Before if I told you that Marcus like if I told you like for, like if he, from a year ago if I told you that Marcus Smart took 13 threes in a playoff game you'd say what the hell but like he's he's drilling these like shot 46% from three and he's been killing it from three he's he's been like perfect in the starting lineup replacing um Gordon Hayward's minutes but like also kind of picking up the slack for when Kemba or Jalen Brown have a bad game that you just know Marcus smart is going to be reliable. And you know, he's going to give you something defensively as well. The foul that he drew at the end of regulation, I believe it was, was very iffy. And with Jalen, with um, Marcus smart, there's a lot of those iffy fouls. So I don't know. It's playoffs. I don't know if you really call that at that time but the refs have been like screw the playoffs we're just going to call what we feel is right so i mean we'll see what happens in game 2 you know there's going to be some some type of an adjustment be um from either Brad or Spo but just expect that there will be something changing and then gordon hayward entering this series whenever he does is going to be a major factor for for the Celtics. Hopefully that he won't be rusty or have to like really get himself back into rhythm, but he'll be able to insert himself seamlessly into the offense, but I don't know. Um we'll see about that. Thank you for listening to me talk about the Clippers and how bad they sucked this this playoffs. Um, that's it for today's episode. Make sure you subscribe, leave a rating if you enjoyed. Um, Make sure you check out the websites in the, the show notes. And I will catch y'all after possibly Denver versus Lakers, depending on how that game goes. But if not, I'll catch y'all on Monday. And that's it.